Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. This idea of of believing in what you're doing and and having faith, and I don't mean necessarily faith in a higher power, but faith in what you are doing and taking these leaps of faith along the way and continuing to make progress, even if you hit a wall, you hit an obstacle, whatever it might be, um, you know, because I'm the Disney guy, I go back to the Walt thing, this idea of, of keep moving forward, keep iterating um, and keep doing what you love. And eventually the money will come. Hey, Rudder Nation, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in this episode, we're going to be having a conversation with one of my favorites in podcasting of all time, host of the WDW radio podcast, Lou Mangello. Why? What does the show have to do with Walt Disney World? Not a thing. I've been listening to Lou before I ever even got into podcasting. He's a hero of mine. I got to meet him at the 2022 podcast movement that was held in Dallas, Texas. We got to become friends and... I've always known his story about being a lawyer, but he hung it up because what he really wanted to do was help families and people get the most out of their Walt Disney vacation. It's just something that he loved doing. He loved the trivia behind it. And so we're going to be talking about about all that, his passion and his love for Walt Disney World, his love for trivia, and just to take a leap of faith with the support of his wife and his kids to go live out a dream because that is in essence what I'm doing here in 2023. It's what I'm encouraging you to do in your life is to find out what is that dream you've got. And then how do you go after it? Because that was a big leap of faith for Lou. He had to give up a lot of things on an idea. Now you fast forward well over a decade. This is all he does. And it's all he's ever done for the last decade or so. He is a story of success. He's one that I admire. And it's one that I'm applying in my own life, just not in the Walt Disney World realm the way he is. I'm doing it my own way. So sit back, relax, grab a notebook and a pen and listen to this conversation as I get to talk with one of my podcasting heroes and friend, Lou Mangello. Here we go. All right. Hey, Lou, thanks for calling in from Florida. How are you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Oh, man, I'm excited to have you on the show. And if you don't believe me, all my friends will tell you uh, after this show airs, because like that's all we hear about is Lou's coming on the show. Lou's coming on. The- it's just, no pressure, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, I just got really nervous. <laughs> right? Uh, my my hands are sweaty. You know, uh, what, what is it uh, Eminem says? Uh, Mom's spaghetti. Uh, anyway, that doesn't matter. What does matter is we got you on here. Um, now, I've listened to your show, WDW radio for a long time, uh, probably before I even got into podcasting. And uh, as a friend of mine, Aaron Walker says, uh, your show has probably cost me a lot of money, whether you knew it or not, um, (laughs) because I've planned at least two Walt Disney World trips off of your show, uh, off of uh, advice from uh, your sponsor and friend, Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel, uh, which, by the way, I've always loved how you just sort of throw her under the bus every chance you get. 
and she just throws more <laughs> money at you, and then and the audience loves it. Uh, and then Tim Tim Foster, you know, hearing the progression and the growth of his audio quality over the years, from just calling in on a phone to now, I think he has a legit like microphone and takes the time to figure out his audio quality. Um, you know, that that show has been a staple of my life uh, for at least the last. Oh man, I lost track of time, but and and I can't do the math this early in the morning. Uh, but it's just. Good to have you on the show because your story um, isn't one of like you just graduated from college and you've done nothing but talk about Walt Disney World. Uh, you actually had a different career and a different path before that. And, and people won't know that just by looking at you or listening to your show. You were a lawyer in New Jersey. <laughs> Which are two things I ask that you don't hold against me. I swear I'm a right. good guy. <laughs> uh, now, my friend Brian's probably asking, hey, did he work for the mafia? I don't know. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I'm Italian, too. So, like, there's a trifecta in there. You're hitting all uh, the But the answer boxes. is no. <laughs> right. All right. There you go, Brian. No. No, he said no. Air quotes. <laughs> uh, so – Somewhere, though, around early 2000, so about 2005, uh, you started doing like these audio tours and you wrote a book about Walt Disney World. And uh, so tell us about like what started that up as a hobby for you uh, while you were still practicing law. Yeah. So the relatively short version is it's 2003. I am practicing law um, for a number of years. I also have an IT consulting company on the side because I don't like to sleep, but I was a computer nerd growing up. And so I was always in the service business. I had this idea of making something once and reselling it because I would watch infomercials like super late at night when I got home from work. Um, and so the idea of a book came to be and I wrote the book that I wanted to read, which is a book about Walt Disney World. It was a place I'd been going every year since I was a kid with my family. And I love the details, and the minutia. So I set out to write a book that didn't exist, which was a Walt Disney World trivia book. Long story longer. Um, I write, I Find a publisher, because again, this is 2003. There really is no on-demand or, or vanity publishing, as it were. Um, signed a three-book deal, put up a little brochure website, thought that was it. Uh, 2004, started a discussion forum. Again, this is before social media. So when, you know, a small group of people sign up that first night, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I'm not the only dork in, the, in his basement that loves Disney. And that number grew from 29 the first night to like 100 and 500, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20, 50. And I'm like, wait a minute. There, there is a community of people out there. Uh, 2005, uh, I hear about this new technology called podcasting. I literally asked Jeeves, what is a podcast? Um, and started podcasting then 2007 or eight. Um, I took a leap of faith and sold my house and moved to Florida to, uh, you know, a, a house sight unseen uh, to see if I could turn what I loved into, into what I could do full time. I mean, total leap of faith, too. I mean, and just to go back a little bit, uh, I've downloaded some of the audio tours that you've done. Uh, it's after my 2008 trip with my family, I was hooked. I was that guy that was like, Disney World's just another theme park, man. It's roller coasters. It's hot dogs. What? Where's the magic? I don't see what the big deal is. And then we go and I'm like, we got to go back. I'm like that guy from Lost who left the island and realized that was a mistake. <laughs> right. I was like, we got to go, go back, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, again, how I discovered WDW Radio. And the cool thing about the the audio tours is that, I mean, you're strolling down the street of Main Street in Magic Kingdom. And you're you're taking us down memory lane as you're literally walking down the lane. And it made us feel like – it made me feel like I was walking alongside you as you're just talking away. And I'm like, man, this is cool. Best 99 cents I ever spent. Uh, <laughs> and so I bought a few, <laughs> and, uh, more than just the one. Uh, 
But I mean, it takes a big leap for you to say, that's it. I'm hanging up this lucrative law career. I've got this side IT business uh, and I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to convince my family, especially my wife. This is the thing we're going to do. What were some of the things that you had in place to be able to cast that vision to your family and say, this is what we're doing? And, and what was their initial reaction like? You know, in between that um, initially starting and then sort of taking that leap of faith, I had left, um, I had left the practice of law. I was at one point, I was the, the chief technology officer for a medical imaging company, which meant I sort of ran the network, but sat in my office and just worked on my Disney stuff on the side. At one point, I left that, um, for, you know, for a number of reasons. The company got sold. And, and so I, I had this opportunity to work on this full time. And I was flying back and forth from New Jersey to Florida to do research and, and gather content. Um, and I, at one point, I said, look, I, so for me, Jerry, the, the, the most important words were what if, right? And I think people hear what if and they're like, well, what if it doesn't work? What if it fails? What if you can't make any money? I flipped the switch and I'm like, I had this fear of regret. I, I had this fear that, that 20 years down the road, I would look back and say, I wonder what if I would have tried to do that? What if I would have tried to give this Disney thing a full time? And I didn't want to do that. So. That's what I said to my wife. I said, look, I think I could make something of this. I was making a little bit of money with some affiliate things and stuff like that. Um, a very, very small sponsor at the time. I said, but I need to be there. I need to be where what I do is and, and to really give this a legitimate shot. And the words okay weren't out of her mouth before I started. I ran downstairs and started packing. Like I didn't want to give her a chance to change her mind. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I knew then and I still believe now the exact same thing, which is you know, when people ask me what I do for a living, I say whatever it takes. And it's not meant to be like a snarky line because I knew that when I went down there that if I couldn't make it work, I, I would get a job flipping burgers, going back to law, whatever I needed to do to make sure my family could eat, you know, at least a couple of times a week. And I still feel that way. Uh, and then fortunately, you know, things were able to work out and, and I was able to make a, a business and a career out of it. Uh, what were uh, some of the initial hurdles that you ran into in making that transition? I mean, there were a lot. Look, from the the time I first started telling people that this is what I was going to do, um, to say I got pushback is a bit of <laughs> an understatement. My immediate family and my parents, and I worked in a firm with my dad, were incredibly supportive, 110%. I wouldn't be here without the support of my family. But I would tell my friends that this is what I was going to do. And they're like, wait a minute. Like, I get you've got your little like radio thing and you talk to yourself for an hour a week and hope that people listen. But now you mean to tell me that you're going to leave a very cushy job with health benefits. You've got two young babies. You've got a massive mortgage. You're going to lose money and bring money to your closing when you sell your house to move to Florida and hope that you could figure out a way down the road to turn this nonsense into a business. And I'm like, yeah, isn't that awesome? And I'll never forget my friend says, I give you six months. He goes, six months, wow. you're going to be back here, like, begging for your job again. And sometimes that can be a, a heck of a motivator. And obviously, I still remember that to this day. But, you know, when you do take that leap and it sounds really good and it's so inspiring, but that first Monday morning that you sit down at your desk and you have nowhere to go and no money's coming in, you're like, oh, my God, what did I just do? <laughs> like, maybe I can go back and I'll just I was joking. I'm kidding. Come on. I brought all my stuff back. I'm going to I'm going to put it all back in my desk. So there is that fear. But I think fear is a great motivator. Right. I think sometimes we need that little bit of a fire to initiate that sense of hunger, right? That the hunger has to always be here. And that is what forces you to do the things that you need to do sometimes in order to turn this hobby, this idea, this concept, whatever it is, into an actual business. 
I can totally relate to that now because um, at the time we we're recording this, I had just taken a leap of faith from my own job to do what I love doing from my job, but as my own business and and have the podcast as part of that. And uh, and I, I guess I, I don't get as much pushback, I guess, because my business is more of what you would expect as a traditional job. But you just hear it in the voices, though. So does he get paid with each podcast episode? <laughs> uh, how does that work? So, like, you post it and somebody gives you, like, $100? Like, what has this work? I'm like, uh, no, it's it's kind of like YouTube. You're like, you know, if people listen, oh, you get money from, like, your platform? No, it's not like that at all. Um, so how do you make money? And, and so then explaining to them, like, it's almost like stadium seating. Uh, I don't know if you know Vincent Puglisi. Uh, <laughs> Talks about stadium seating all the time and different levels of access. And it, it was funny because you had talked with me about people want access to you. Like when you have an expertise, when you have a passion for something, you know, not everybody has that. You know, that's something unique to you that you've learned over the years and people want access to that. And, you know, I remember you were kind of scolding me, but giving me homework at the same time. And I ate it all up. Uh, and uh, you said, People are going to be willing to pay for access to you because access to you means uh, speeding up the learning curve for them. Mm. So you're helping them save time. You're helping them save money. Uh, you may be even helping them save reputation or build reputation. And so set that up. You know, don't let that go away. And and I could see where you're talking about, like, by any means necessary. Also, like, you know, worst case scenario, you're willing to go back and get a job. And I'm, I'm in the same boat there. Like, worst case scenario, I just apply and, and I work in the learning and development field. So it, it's kind of booming right now, even though there's a recession and that kind of thing. Um, so you, you talked about some of those initial um, you know, aha moments and oh crap moments, you know, like, you know, that, that first Monday morning, uh, I just had that last week. I'm like, oh wait, this is real. And we're, <laughs> we're living off of savings and, you know, it's like, but we had a project coming up. So I, I knew like, okay, this is working. Uh, what was that aha, like that first, like, this is going to work moment for you, like that breakthrough. <sighs> okay. We did make the right choice. Was that right away? Or, uh, did that happen a few months down the road? Like, what was that experience? Like, how did you know? Okay, I don't have to go back and practice law. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. So I think it really started and... It really started a little bit before I even made the move. Um, I got a call out of the blue at my house, and my wife comes running down. She's with the phone. This is what phones used to look like. It had a long cord at the end. <laughs> she ran on the phone, and somebody was on the phone. And again, this is like 2006, right? And I know it, it sounds like eons ago. And this person on the, phone, on the other end of the phone says, look, I've been listening to your show. I love what you do. I'd love to sponsor it. I'm from XYZ Company. What do you charge? And it was like this slow motion like moment. I was like, what? 
And I said, <clears throat> let me get back to you. I'll put together a proposal and, a, you know, I'll, I'll email to you. I hung up the phone. And I was like, well, now what do I do? Like somebody wants to pay me to do what I'm already doing. It was a foreign concept to me, Jerry. Like, so I had to sort of figure, well, wait a minute. Well, now what do I charge? Or what is this whole sponsorship thing? That really was because I was making a little bit of money doing other things. And I had the books and I had some other products. But that was the thing that started to make me realize, like, wait a minute. Like, I think that there's something here. And again, that hunger when now you are responsible for not just steering your ship, but generating the revenue, that's when you have to start getting creative and and uh, looking for, not waiting for opportunities to come to you, but creating them on your own. And, you know, looking back now in hindsight, I probably have, and this is maybe the, a, a takeaway lesson, is I never put all my eggs in one basket. I probably have 20 different revenue streams in in terms of figuring out ways to monetize what I was doing because you don't know what might work what might not work creating content and products in the way that people are most comfortable consuming it new things come up along the way as you realize here's a, a common problem what can I do to solve this at scale for people so it's an iterative process that that never stops iterating I'm like I'm always looking ahead to, to try and figure out what's next Nice. And what are some of the ways that you, you get an idea of like what would be a product or service you should create or experiment with? Uh, the rule of thumb I use is that if you get the same question three times from three different people, that's an indicator that it's a common problem. So I was finding out that the question I was getting most often was, Disney World is so expensive, how do I save money to go there? I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is clearly... So I wrote a book. It's 102 Ways to Save Money for that Walt Disney World because it solves that problem. I like the list format because we, I think, as humans, we like knowing just how much we have to consume. We like sort of going down that list. It's why like top 10 episodes and top 10 blog posts always do so well because we know exactly what the value exchange is going to be, exactly what it's going to cost in terms of my time. So... That product was born out of a common question and a common request that I was getting. Once you see what is resonating with people, once you see um, this this opportunity to fill a gap for people, that's usually a good indicator of something that, that might be something to, to look into. I see. So if you get it about three times, somebody asking that specific question. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. So I got one more time and then I got a project I got to build. <laughs> <laughs> something that's come up in, in just the last week. I'm like, huh, I wonder if. Uh, so that's, that's good to know. And then I, I love the, the part that you mentioned, you don't have all your eggs in one basket. You know, as a, as a creative entrepreneur, uh, multiple streams of income. I, I know in the church circles, that's something that's said a lot is that if you want to build wealth, it's not about having one stream of income like a job. It's having these multiple streams of income, and, and I've learned that from you. I've learned it from other podcasters who've become entrepreneurs or were entrepreneurs, you know, whatever the combination is, uh, they all have multiple streams, you know, whether it's like a membership group or a Patreon support page or a, a book or a series of books, workbooks, courses, coaching program, uh, speaking engagements. And, and so all those for, um, come together to create the overall I guess, package or portfolio for somebody mm -hmm. who's creative and, and then keeping your ear to the ground. You know, what are people asking for? Uh, so I'm just summing up for everybody who just kind of sort of like tuned in, like, hey, what happened to that Lou guy? <laughs> like, I'm just telling you everything you just said. Uh, and so you had that aha moment of somebody reached out to you and asked to sponsor your show. Um, 
and and you had to scramble because you didn't have anything prepared. Uh, how much uh, imposter syndrome did you have to overcome to get to the point where I'm assuming this is Becky that that wanted to sponsor the show or somebody else? No, it wasn't. Oh, no, wow. it wasn't. Um, it, yeah, it was somebody who um, uh, sold. Uh, Disney has their own sort of version of a timeshare company. It was a, yeah. it was a timeshare. Um, she she was a, a timeshare reseller. Um, you know, and you have no idea what to charge, and you do have that imposter syndrome. You're like, well, I'm not. How much am I? There's no way to find out, Jerry. How much am I worth? Right? You can't sort of go to Google. You can't go to Chat GPT and find out how much am I? You know, should I charge for this? And especially at that time, it was it was something very very new. So you have to sort of figure out, you know, what is that number? And I'm afraid to ask for it. And what if it's too much? And I scare her off. These are all the things I think they go through, even you know later on in life as you sort of build your business those questions start to hit and like there is that sense of imposter syndrome. I think it's easy for us to tell somebody else how much they're worth. And sometimes it's difficult to put that value on ourselves. The formula that, that I tell people that I coach or in, in my events and workshops is find that number, right? So if you're, you're trying to figure out how much you should charge for coaching, for speaking, for consulting, whatever it is, find that number that just starts to make you uncomfortable and then double it. And that's probably the number that you should be charging. Okay. And my dad always just used to say, you can go down, you can't go back up, right? So you can always start a number and sort of, you know, work your way back. I'll give you a discount. I'll give you a break. It's the first time, blah, blah, whatever it might be. But it's hard to sort of go up from there. there. There is no, it's a science and an art, right? Trying to figure out, you know, what does the market bear? What are you worth? What is your experience, education and, and value that you're bringing to the table worth um it's always something that, that's very difficult and the imposter syndrome is a real thing that's that's difficult to overcome for a lot of people yeah and did you find it easier to overcome as time goes um like how do how do you i guess remind yourself that it's okay like I'm not going to die if I throw this number out here. Because you haven't died by throwing a number out there, right? And, <laughs> you know, if you throw a number out there that somebody doesn't like, they might say, well, hey, we, you know, it's just not in our budget, right? Well, what? And that's at least it's a starting point, right? So say if you're a speaker, if you're a consultant, and you say, okay, it's going to be X amount of dollars. Is hey, we just, we can't do that. Okay, what is within your budget, right? Let me try and work with you. Let me meet in the middle, especially if it's something from a service perspective. A lot of times you have some flexibility, right? And, also, too, Jerry, I think sometimes taking less, especially at the beginning of your business, in order to get the experience, to get the testimonials, to see what works and doesn't work is is something that people also have to be comfortable with. Well, I really wanted to get X amount of dollars for this, but I'll do it for free or I'll do it for half because I want to get that experience. I want to get that visibility. I want to get a speaker reel. I want to get whatever these things done. So there's ways to sort of justify that in order to help you move forward to where you're ultimately trying to go. Nice. I love that. Um, it's so cool. It's like you're, you're telling me my life as it's happening. I'm like, what? This is so cool. <laughs> love this. Uh, and I'm taking notes here, but three questions. Uh, so tell us about, uh, now I know WDW Radio is a podcast. You do a live stream. You uh, have some merchandise. Uh, tell us about like the whole umbrella of just the WDW Radio part of your overall um, business. Like, ultimately, I think everybody should go listen to your show. But you know, to hear it from you, like, what is it that you offer listeners and viewers and that community uh, around WDW Radio? 
So the idea is to, you know, enhance your enjoyment and appreciation of the Disney parks to connect you to a place that either you're planning to go to or maybe you can't get there as often as you like, whether it is with interviews and top tens or history or vacation planning. And as time, the show has grown from being solely focused on Walt Disney World to other Disney parks around the world, Disney Cruise Line, some Marvel, some Star Wars, sort of everything under that Disney umbrella. Um, I do a very positive show. I like talking about the things that make us happy about going there. Um, nobody wants to hear me go on and complain about, you know, a bad hamburger or something like that. So, um, and really, Jerry, it's, it is the show and it's, I've been doing live video every week since 2007 and all the other things that the secondary and tertiary parts of my business, including a lot of in-person events and, and, but the heart, the, the nucleus of what I do is the podcast, but the heart of what I do is community. And that is the most important part of what I do. Nothing happens without building a foundation of real, meaningful, engaged community of humans that love you and love what you do. And more importantly, you you express that love on an individual basis in return. Yeah. And I've experienced that firsthand where uh, as a subscriber to your email list, you know, once in a blue moon, I'm like, I'm going to just say hi to the guy and let him know I like that episode. And you've replied back and, and more so recently uh, because I've been bugging you to get on here. I'm like, hey, how about now? How about now? And you're like, I got a conference. I'm like, all right, cool. After the conference. <laughs> so, uh, But you, you don't just, you know, say, well, I'm going to go to that guy because he can get me on his show. Like you interact with people through social media, through your email community, uh, when you do the live chat, you're, you're responding to people. And, um, you know, it's it's funny, like the last three or four times we've gone, well, three times we've gone to Walt Disney World. My wife has always, um, you asked me like, so you're going to be scanning for Lou? I'm like, oh, you bet. You know, he, he might be doing a meetup. I didn't get a chance to check my email today to see if he's doing one, but uh, this might be the time. And uh, actually, we had a couple of close calls just to, you know, I guess make this weird. Um, <laughs> so like there was a day we went to like, I think it was Hollywood studios and I'm like scanning, like it's Lou here. It's Lou here. And then uh, like the next day we're going to animal kingdom. And then I saw it in the feed, like you, you were going to Hollywood studios like that day. And I'm like, oh, we flipped it. We Two got it wrong. <laughs> next time you got to reach out to me in advance, man. And we'll try right. to connect while you're here. I'll plan better next time. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, but that's the kind of connection that you create with, those who listen to your show and watch your YouTube videos. I still remember the five snacks under $5 video from years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Whenever I get hungry and I want to be back in the park, that that's probably the first <laughs> video that comes up. Um, now you also have like the other side of the coin where you help people who want to launch their own business uh, as a speaker, as uh, an entrepreneur. Tell us about, you know, that umbrella around LouMangelo.com and, and what you do for folks. So it really started, um, you know, I, I love going to conferences. I love trying to learn and, and meet other people. And network is such a marketing term, but I love to meet other people. So I was going to conferences, you know, 2005, six, seven, and just trying to sort of take in as much as I could. And I would start telling people my story. And they're like, wait a minute, you have to share that story like up on stage. I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm not a speaker. And I started speaking um, at conferences and then I started speaking professionally. And Jerry, the reason why the other stuff started was because when I started and even for a long time in my business, I was very much alone. I had a wonderful support system of people around me. But, you know, your your, your wife, your your parents, your friends, they could be supportive, but they don't necessarily understand what it's like to be in this room 
by yourself, trying to figure it all out and not having someone who's had that or going through that experience to help you through it. And I wanted, I want to continue to try and help people turn that thing that they love into the thing that they do. So uh, for me, joining a mastermind group eons ago was it, it moved the needle in remarkable ways for me. So I started doing a small mastermind group. I would do one-on-one coaching. And then because I was a conference attendee, you know, you go to a conference area and there's 2000 people there and you're trying to figure out what session to go to next and whatever. And then I, and I literally, I still have it because I keep it as a reminder. I remember going to this conference and I came home with this, with literally this notebook full of notes. And I was like, so excited. I was going to implement all these things. And I took this notebook and I put it down on my desk and I never did any of them. And this is the same notebook 10 years later that I keep here as a reminder. And as you know, I don't want other people to feel that same way because you get stuck and you become a hamster on the wheel and you're spinning your wheels. You're not making progress. So I created an event here in Walt Disney World, which I call Momentum because I think, you know, it's sort of an extension of the Walt. You keep moving forward. It's a small 50 person, one room, two day event that really helps people move the needle while they're there. It's not just about learning, but it's about starting to take action and making friendships or making relationships and having the accountability, which sometimes are, you know, spouses, you know, the cat is great, but it can't keep me accountable is part of what I built into that. Um, you know, I do a retreat and things. So I try and find all these different ways, whatever that, that ease of entry point is for somebody, whether it's one-on-one mastermind event, retreat, whatever it might be to, really sort of help them in a very small, very intimate, very focused environment. I don't know about your cat, but my cat actually holds me accountable like crazy. I walk out of my home <laughs> office and she's already meowing like, get back in there. <laughs> Who said you could quit? <laughs> uh, now, I know folks can find your show, WDW Radio, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any any platform that you use to listen to podcasts, it's there. Uh, and it's also on YouTube. You have clips, you have uh you know, snippets of your episode. You have videos that you've created specifically for YouTube on, and it's WDW radio. Uh, now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect and, and learn more from you and maybe even hire you to be their coach or speaker. So everything I do on the Disney side is at WDWradio.com. Everything I do on the business side is at LouMangelo.com. You could always email me just Lou at WDWradio.com. And I'm at Lou Mangiello on social. And to your point of what you said before, uh, I answer every single message, every single email personally. Um, there is no way I try and do most comments if I can, but, uh, um, if somebody emails me, I, I, you better believe I will give you the courtesy of a personal response. Awesome. And I love how you're apologetic about it. I'm like, like we don't know you're busy. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> you just told me you were going to like conference after conference, back to back. D23 was like the first thing you went to right after podcast movement. And you were still yeah. apologetic like a month later. I'm like, dude, you're doing your thing. <laughs> and this is just something we're building for the future. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, now, before we go, though, any Final words of wisdom for our listeners uh, in Rudder Nation here. That's a, that's a big, it's a big monster ball. You know, I think I, I you talked about a little bit alluding to this before. This idea of of believing in what you're doing and and having faith. And I don't mean necessarily faith in a higher power, but faith in what you are doing and taking these leaps of faith along the way and continuing to make progress, even if you hit a wall, you hit an obstacle, whatever it might be, um, you know, because I'm the Disney guy, I go back to the Walt thing, this idea of, of keep moving forward, keep iterating um, and keep doing what you love. And eventually the money will come. 
Nice. I love that. Lou, it was great to have you on the show and also great back in August of 2022 to have you give me that kick in the pants, whether you knew you were doing that or not. <laughs> in a loving way. It was a loving was. kick in the pants. <laughs> but I just love telling people, like, Lou gave me homework <laughs> uh, and I'm doing it. Uh, so thank you again for coming on here and uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you as the years go by. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Whew. Wow. I did not want that conversation to end, but I had to be respectful of his time. Plus, I had to, I had to go and do things as well. Now, I hope you got some insights out of that and some encouragement, some inspiration. You're already jotting down notes of the dream you want to live and how you're going to get there. Because that's what I did the last time I got the, the first time I got to talk with him, in fact. And now if you want to learn more. We've got the show notes, beyondtherut.com slash 358. There you'll find links to wdwradio.com, as well as his actual speaking page and other resources. But I'll also include a part of my dream that has been fulfilled because of that conversation I had with Lou in August of 2022. And that is my book, Beyond the Rut, Create a Life Worth Living in Your Faith, Family, and Career. Because in that book, I take us through a journey of recognizing the rut you're in, understanding where you want to go, and then taking action to get there. That book was my leap of faith, uh, my first leap of faith, actually, at the end of 2022. And part of that was because of the conversation I had with Lou. I, I pulled the trigger on multiple action items right after that. And this has been a great ride. I mean, we're only months into it. We're not even a full year in at the time I'm recording this, but I'm so fired up. I'm so excited. And Lou and I are looking forward to meeting up again at the next podcast movement. So there you have it. Take those leaps of faith, know where it is you want to go and get there. Guys, I enjoyed this so much. And if I didn't put it in the outro already, uh, you can find the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 358. Uh, go get a copy of my book, Beyond the Rut, and come back again next week. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I just love this type of conversation. I love these kinds of conversations. I'm going to be reaching out for more of them. Uh, email me. Let me know what you thought. Comment on the, the show notes what you thought. Reach out to me on social media. Uh, however it is, you and I stay connected. Let me know what you thought about this episode. All right, guys. I'll see you on the next one. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.